What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Greenhouse Movement Podcast, and this is Pastor Mike Patz, and it's my joy today to welcome Dr. Eric Mason. Welcome, my brother. Glad to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Well, we are in a season where we were talking about love and justice for all, and so I'm just going to throw it right out there. Dr. Mason, it's a joy to have you around. You are a man that is centered on Jesus. You love the Word of God. Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then yeah. we're going to jump into justice. Yeah, well, Eric Mason, born and bred in Washington, D.C., really actual Washington, D.C., not like Merlin or Virginia, <laughs> but from D.C., no no hate on anybody else. Um, grew up in a Judeo-culturally Christian home, mm-hmm. I'd say, um, in the sense of, you know, church was a part of our culture in, in some respects. Grew up New United Methodist, um, we were called the Frozen Chosen. So I kind of grew up in that, but I found a haven in the church because mm-hmm. the church, it was in the inner city of DC. And so I, I I was always endeared to church because they they really embraced me. It was where I found a, a haven off the streets from drugs. I wasn't really into that drug dealing and all that's wasn't me trapping. Did the that, church they call help it keep you out. out of that? Oh yeah, the church yeah. was amazing. I was in the choir, sang and... Mm. You know, and uh, I was an actor in school, and then um, everybody thought I was going to be either an actor or a singer when I was coming up, and um, even even throughout college and grad school, which was interesting. But where'd um, you go to college? Bowie State. And so I, um, you know, my parents ended up putting me in Catholic school because they didn't want me um, going to the school where the trajectory was going different for because I grew up during the crack era in D.C. Yeah, and uh, ended up going to college, went to Bowie State, majored in psychology. Um, got saved my fall of my uh, sophomore year and a year and some change later I, I I was radically radically experienced the presence of God in my dorm room and in the parking lot while getting high um, even though I was supposed to be a believer but I ran and ended up getting a call to ministry man wow and instantly put down everything like mm. it was it was crazy I, I was a little judgmental you know but um i think i needed that level of radical transformation for me yeah. personally that helped me to walk out of some stuff and ended up going to school went to dallas seminary uh, but i met the love of my life in undergrad and um we ended up god showed me she was my wife and you know we ended up getting married a few years later and while we were in grad school and uh, How long have you been married? Uh, 22 years. You guys still kissing? <clears throat> yeah, man. Look, brother. Look, brother. I need some sugar. Look. So, um, so yeah, man. So, married 22 years, four kids. Um, You know, we... Uh, we Hold on. Pause real fast. Yesterday yeah. we were talking. You, talk, you you mentioned when you met the Lord, mm-hmm. there was a, a young lady was sharing the gospel. And and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think you said she just tore it up. You but said she, she wasn't young, but she oh, was yeah, she was like middle age. But I, I loved how you described it. Though. You said, "Man, she was just tearing up the gospel." Oh yeah, I mean, she. Just, it was so clear. It was the clear. I mean, at, at that point, I mean, you, you know, the Holy Spirit turns the gospel light on, and you're like, "That's you know, you hear it, and you're like, I, I never heard this before," but you probably did. Just you know. Because a lot of where yeah. we want to go with this, even when we're thinking about things like justice, a lot of this comes down. It, it's got to flow out of the gospel. I mean, the, the true gospel should lead into doing justice, yeah. right? Everything should flow out of that, right? So I think, you know, during my journey of, you know, being under Dr. Tony Evans and being in Dallas for a while and then um, going to Houston, working at a 130-year-old church, mm. starting 70 small groups Wow, there, you know, um, teaching at a Bible college like in my mid-20s while 
being assistant pastor, nursing a wife, and um, then went from there, and we went back to Dallas for a while because my wife got sick and wanted to uh, have some community around us that we knew. And from there, I, before that, I got a call to plant churches. I knew I wanted to come back east and plant churches in places that there's a lot of challenges but a great need for gospel fruit. And so everything that I was seeing Dr. Evans doing in Dallas from a community transformation standpoint, I wanted, and not even just him, to be honest, I I felt, as an East Coast dude, don't take this wrong, I felt like the South is just spoiled <laughs> with the level of resources and institutional development. Like, I've seen guys have bowling alleys in the church. I said, man, we don't need that. What we, If we took that $5 million, you know what I could do with that? You know? Hmm. And so I went back with the wind in my face like, Lord, I don't know how the resources are going to pour mm-hmm. up into these inner cities, but I would love from Boston <clears throat> to inner cities in Florida, you know, inner cities in New York, inner cities in Atlanta, D.C., um, um, Jersey, to see the gospel proclaimed and then there be such a ferocious kingdom work of community transformation that happens that really ushers in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so that that was really that's always been my dream. My that's dream. Fantastic. That's that's my dream. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So how big of a deal is it in your mind that the church has I don't think it's inaccurate to say the church has traditionally and even now neglected the issue of justice. How big of a deal is it that the church has not been known that when we to me the tragedy is if anyone should be championing the word, the cause and the concept of justice, the church should like have the monopoly on this. Yeah, I think I hate using conservative or liberal because that those are both are non-monolithic extremes. That's true. You know, so for me, I, I think that there have been sectors of the church that's focused on justice, that or there's certain types of justice that's taboo, and there's certain types of just justices. I don't know, just eyes. I don't know if that's whatever way you're supposed to say that plural. Sorry, English majors, but um, and so um. You know, like in the conservative fundamentalist evangelical circles, um, like we were talking about last night, there's justice isn't a word that they would use necessarily right. um, because it almost seems political, even though they're the most political group of people in the church, you mm-hmm. know, which is oxymoronic. Yeah, the irony. Then, then, then you have the quote-unquote liberal church and, and, and then the conservative black church and liberal strands that were doing justice for years the civil rights movement kind of spayed and neutered justice in a way that made us think that we had gotten somewhere. And so then when we, when people had uh, inferential access to, to, um, to more things, um, it was one of the best and worst things that happened to black culture because prior to the civil rights movement, we, we had to build our own institutions because we couldn't get into white institutions. Churches had to start credit unions, had to start banks, you know, because of redlining. After the civil rights movement, they just changed the way they did racism, and blacks were fooled into thinking that we had access to more than we actually had access to, and then the, the churches began to dissipate on the institutions that it developed, and try and tried to integrate people into society and then they were oh no we've gotten rid of all our institutions and then it's just kind of flatlined for years mm-hmm. and i'm not saying you don't have 
pockets of different people who have created all different. I know churches that have credit unions and different things. I'm talking about as a movement. Right. You just don't hear it. I was on BT a couple years, a few years ago. Some I to a friend of mine who's in New York. He's in Brooklyn. And they asked him to be on BT for this thing with T.I., Tali Kualib, and Angela Rye. He's like, I'm not, that's not my thing. You know, I would rather somebody that's, that's the thing. I got a friend, Eric Mace, do this, whatever. So I go in there and I'm like, dang, I do, should I be here? I was mad nervous. You know, I'm not going to front. I was real nervous because I had never really been in that environment like that on that level of a platform. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in there and like, of course, I'm the low man on the toilet. Like, who cares about Eric Mason, right? Angela Rye finally says, so we have with us Dr. Eric Mason, the Epiphany Fellowship. She said, we just, she, her question was basically this, where is the black church and the church? We know that it has a history of doing things in the community, but where are they now? Hmm. And what is your church doing in your community to change some of these things that we were talking about? Um, and so stood up, the Lord blessed it. I was mad nervous though. I, I mean, I was almost had to give, it was weird. And um and because I'm never nervous like that. And then afterwards, Tali Kualib comes straight up to me and says, "Yo, man, um, that's what's up, man. Like he's real. He's like when you talk about conscious community, hate white Jesus stuff. You know that's Tali. That's like that. That's you know it's hard to even explain yeah. if you don't understand hip hop. Yeah, yeah. And so and so um Angela was like, "Yo, you know we she wanted to bust it up that type of thing. Ti, we shook hands that type of thing, but." person after person was coming up to me saying we're waiting for the church to lead us yeah and i was i was literally blown away by i was blown away by it because i think that the church has always been particularly the african-american led church has yeah. been in the in this country no that's good a prophetic leader it has it has of that and i think they're like where are y'all at we need right. y'all again and I, I, I don't know if, I don't know what's going on. on a, now, again, we have tons of churches that's doing community development and right. different things like that. Right. But I think as it, as we're talking about a move, a generational movement voice, because now it's changed. You have what's happening with Meek Mill calls him now to take on a more stronger role of justice in, in the, the justice system. Jay-Z just rolled out this thing where he was just um, at, Columbia the other day doing the Jay-Z lectures and he's talking and I'm just losing my mind listening to not because he's saying anything bad but I'm like we're supposed to be engaging right. this platform right and so I'm sorry hitting the table but you know it's it's so many it's like like hip-hop now a hip-hop artist are now particularly the OGs are taking on more of a justice stance comedians right and the, and, the, and it's like the church Dave that's Chappelle yeah, Dave Chappelle you know, um, Snoop Dogg, yeah. you know, and so. But see, that's the point, yeah. though, is it, you know how the scripture says that whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And, and it almost feels to me like if the world gave the church a shot or sometimes does. Yeah. And if the church won't get it, it's almost like it, you mentioned the black church. Talk about the pressure. The, the black church, the African-American led church feels the pressure of, hey, what are you all doing in the community? What are you doing to right, make this? Right, right, right. Let me from a, in white churches, all white churches think they need. You want to go plant a church? 
you need a good concert and a good Christian TED talk. And if you got a concert and a TED talk, you got a church plan, man, you can grow that thing up and you show up on Sundays and you got some tight jeans and good sneakers and man, you got to, you're going to blow that thing up. <laughs> so, so if you just tight asked a lot of guys what they needed to do mm-hmm. to make a church work, I don't think they'd even ever imagine part of the job description of the church is you are supposed to go penetrate your community like salt penetrates meat that's what's supposed to happen absolutely and that's what you're speaking to and you got these other voices rising up and then the problem is now they're doing it not in the name in the character and the nature of jesus yeah i I mean you know titus 314 one of our favorite verses you know on this stuff is let our people learn to engage in meeting pressing needs Mm. in order that Mm. they may not be found unfruitful that i mean that that is that is to me in a nutshell what the church is called to do. That's great. And and, and what's interesting is second, I mean, the interesting thing is Titus is written to church plants. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Like a group of church plants on an island called Crete. Hey, church planters, go meet pressing needs. Go meet pressing needs in your community. Right. You know, as an outpouring of the gospel, you know, show off regeneration of the soul through showing, bearing fruit of serving your city. Beautiful. And, and, um, And so, man, it's, I think that's that we we I think that not just the church needs to return to that and and I think like we were talking about last night when you get into areas where transformation is needed and I'm not just talking about in hard neighborhoods but just in general and when you start talking to actual people because I think Christians have conversations with ghosts sometimes and we don't really actually talk to actual people keep going with that. You know, because I think a lot of times we'll read an article and then we'll make up a sermon exactly. application. Exactly. But we're not really going out. That's why I'm committed every Tuesday morning um, after I take my kids to school, work out, I go straight to our community. Even in the wintertime, and I just, no matter how large our church gets, I always want to be knowledgeable of the ethos in the community. Mm. Um, and I, I, right now it's too cold, so I'm driving through the neighborhood praying. <laughs> but I like to walk, meet people, um, develop. Not even I'm not even talking about just developing relationships per se. I'm just trying to hear what they're hearing as a shepherd incarnation, and and, and, and just and just and, and be around that and encourage it. And we do an action walk because one of the things we want to. I remember one time they said you're preaching the, you you know the, like it was one time we didn't have people from the community in our church, and so we're like you're always preaching to people that's not here. I said yes, exactly. You're already reached, you know. And so I'm a disciple, y'all. But man, we uh, y'all are not y'all don't view yourselves as missionaries. I said. My problem with the church today is we want to get a word and every sermon is on, I'm not against it, but every sermon is on destiny and personal purpose. We've developed, we we do individualistic discipleship, which affects people's missiology. Right. Because when you develop, when when everything's about your season and your, and I'm not against that, you know, but I think we heard that. We've heard it's your season, it's your time, it's your moment and all of that. And it's like, man, when is it? When when is our season going to have to do with the kingdom mm. versus my my personal come up? Yeah, you know. And so and so now we you have been sent. I mean, that's what Jesus absolutely. said. As the Father sent me, you are sent. Mm-hmm. That, talk about destiny. Mm-hmm. Our destiny is we are sent ones. Absolutely. I tell you, girl asked me what a purpose. I was in a coffee shop in our city studying. A group of my um my members came in the church. I mean, in the, I said in the church in the coffee shop, and um I was like, yo, what's up? They go to the back. One comes up. 
Pastor, I need to ask you something, you know. So she says, what's my, she says, I'm trying to find out what's my purpose. I said, you're asking the wrong question. And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, you already have your purpose. You just don't know how to strategize that purpose out. Mm. She was like, what do you mean? I said, believers never have to ask what their purpose is. It's already written in scripture. Already got it. You're supposed to proclaim the manifold wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's one of your purposes. Mm. You know, the question is, how does your talents, your vocation, your your unique wiring mm. play into kingdom building, proclamation of the gospel, disciple making, engaging the world, and being a th being a preview of the coming attraction of the kingdom? That's beautiful. So once people get their mind around that, then it's like, oh, so basically I have purpose, but the issue is the strategy. Because most of most of your church vision, my church vision is really the same, we right. just have a different That's strategy right. that right. we call vision. Right. Because what most churches call vision is really strategy. Right. <laughs> and so it's strategy of biblical purposes. Jesus gave us the job to Absolutely. Do. I mean, he's the boss. We gotta go with what he says. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's play this out. Let me just give you a few questions, kind of popcorn form here. Uh, what should justice look like in the year 2020? In the United States of America, let's stuff. just, let's say here, what should justice look, forget a definition, because someone, you know, what, what should it. justice in 2020 look like in the United States of America? Yeah, so when you talk about justice, what it should look like in 2020, first off, justice starts off with 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 understanding what it is, but with understanding what it's not. Got to start with that. Okay. Um, and so that because justice in its basic form means judging rightly. Mm -hmm. That's really all justice is: judging rightly and applying it. Yeah, what's right? Yeah, what's right? When people and say you ain't right. right when they say you ain't right. That's a justice phrase. That's a justice phrase, and so. When Jesus says that in Matthew 23, 23, that's it. So from there, though, you know, I think we when we talk about the practical side of justice, I think we have too many people trying to attack too many things. We need to. That's why we developed the Woke Church Think Tank. So we, we, and we, we're building on that. So we we got to have an educational guild. We have to have a judicial guild, have to have a health guild. We have to have these different groups. And, and get Christians who are experts in these different areas. They don't have to become, they don't have to work for the church. Everybody doesn't have to work, please, Lord have mercy. You don't have to work for the church, <laughs> you know, we don't. But what we do need you to do is build within the church and outside of the church in the world ways of engaging the system. Absolutely. So there's the, so you gotta have the theological guild which frames our theology, but then you gotta have the spiritual warfare guild that understands that, I, cause I'm, that charismatic part of me, I believe based on the whole sons of God and all that thing, there's there there are spirits that are assigned to different regions, right, right. and different sub regions. So you got to have the warfare, which of that. means there's different needs in different regions, absolutely, spiritually and naturally, absolutely. And then you gotta you gotta have somebody that's focusing on the school to prison pipeline, you know. So what does that look like? Mm -hmm. How are we developing a relationship with the DA and we're praying through that and and fighting and doing all of those legislative things that we need to do, but then also getting in the school system and working in the school system to make sure that um, schools in the inner city get equal funding as schools in the suburbs who get a different budget. And there's more people in the inner city right. than it is in the suburbs, right. but they get a better budget and get a better educational experience, even though there's an inequitable uh, experience. Distribution, yeah. Distribution of that. And so I think the church has to begin to, like in every church, doesn't have to do all of that. Right. If some churches say, "Hey, we're gonna focus on education," but we we, we but see, we gotta we gotta build in a way because we got a lot of educators at our church, so we gotta do education. Right. That's just God sovereignly saying, "Y'all gonna work on education." Yeah. 
Um, so I like the words you're using though, engage. So yeah. you just said engage. Mm-hmm. So justice in 2020, it's it's got to, and I, we don't just mean by this engaging on social media, like po- yeah, posting no, something no, on no, Facebook, no, Twitter, no, or something no, like that. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's funny is, man, people think, and I love millennials and Gen Z, but sometimes my my, my young folk think because they posted something that they've done justice. Right. Um, and I'm like, that's 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 good that you did that, but that's only the the that's only the commercial or the not even commercial, but just the that's the uh, the, the the flyer. Right for for your ju- your justice work, your justice work outside of social media should be way deeper than w- what it is on social media. Beautiful. And so I think that that's what it has to be. You have to go beyond that, and you have to like one. Uh, it was a per- it was a person one time at a certain church. I won't say. Just give us the initials so we can. Ah, <laughs> you hilarious. And they were just they would they they just social justice online all the time, and I was like, yo man, why don't like we got a group of young people that you can have access to right now mm. that you can meet with once a month. Right. Talking about, that right. you can just begin engaging. Right. The issues that you talk about, I'll give you the opportunity to engage them, shape them, and develop them. And they they thought I was talking down to them. Right. And it was like, you gotta have some groundwork to your justice work. And so mm. I think Justice in 2020 has to look more than like like it's like right now justice is popular like right. the justice person used to the be word annoying. justice is popular yeah yeah people listen people used to be annoyed by the person that see something wrong in society and see that they need to be changed oh you're annoying you know now it's like every like it, justice is just a t-shirt now right and it's ha- it has to become more than just a t-shirt you know and so I, that's that's my encouragement so how about this I, well, a very common thing conversation i have with someone especially if it is a young African-American man, let's yeah. say, let's say an African-American millennial guy that's just sharp. And he'll say, yeah. you know, Mike, it's, it's hard for me to embrace Christianity because I just feel like it's a white man's religion. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, there's just this white washing of my soul yeah. when I just go, have to go and go worship some white yeah. God, you know? So mm-hmm. how, how do you respond to people when they say, yeah. I can't engage the church because it's a white man's religion? Yeah. So, um, for them, I, I I say, man, you've been miseducated, and I, you should you should feel like it's a white man's religion because how Western Christianity has been imperialistically branded to us. But when you study Christianity, um, a matter of fact, the fa- Abrahamic faith, and when I say Abrahamic faith, I'm talking specifically about uh, historic Isra- 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 Israeli, um, uh, tyrannic sort of. You call it Judaism, even though Judaism is later. Um, and then uh, Christianity. And when you look at those, you most of the church fathers were people of color and church mothers, the desert mothers. When you study the desert mothers who were the monks who nobody talks about much, they are they were they were teachers and they were brown and dark skinned North African. This is not people. a gathering of Caucasians. No, no. It, the Turkish and the Ber- Berber is is dark it, anytime you see Ethiopian really back then. It was not. It was not modern day Ethiopia. It was southern. It's really Nubia all the way to Sudan, southern Egypt and Libya, kind of. So, and, and everybody was considered an Ethiopian if you were black. And so, Jesus is a Middle Eastern man. And so, Christianity isn't a white man's religion. I mean, Christianity thrived for the first thousand years in Africa, well before it took, well before there was even a thought of a Reformation. And so, um, you know. Um, so is it accurate to say the spiritual fathers of the reformers in Europe were actually men of color? Absolutely, because you know, um, you know, there's dispute about whether Augustine was Roman, 
North African or African African, you know. But um, yeah, that because he influenced Calvin deeply. Um, Iranius and Tertullian, they were clearly North African, you know. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that's very, it's crazy. I mean, Paul was mistaken as Egyptian. Egyptians were 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 of different colors, but they were never white. Right. Um, never. And so when you when you look at that reality of those relationships and the way um, history is, it's it's very very clear that there's been a white watcher. J. Daniel Haynes has an amazing group of periodicals that he wrote in like 1996, talking about and this is like a this is like a noted Christian scholar on Old Testament. He went beast mode on talking about um, just uh, racism in the academy, and it's it's known in the academy. It's a white guy now. It's not the black guy. This this a white guy that's admitting that in the academy, Christian academy and secular academy, there is an intentional knowledge of the fact that there has been a commitment to whitewashing Christianity, not informationally, but artistically. Now, sort of informationally without changing, of course, manuscripts and stuff like that, but a way of branding Christianity as just Western. Yeah. Which it is not. It's not. Which it is not. Yeah. Give you one more here. Woke and Justice, because you wrote the book Woke Church. Yeah. Just a little plug for that right now. But Woke and Justice are, are pretty charged words right now culturally. You know, I'm not sure they mean this exact same thing to you that they might mean when someone's just reading it, depending mm-hmm. on whoever's defining mm-hmm. those terms. How, what, what's your... How do you define that? Why is that important? And what, how would you charge any of our listeners right now? What's even maybe an application of how we can, when, when they turn yeah. off this podcast, what's something they can take and, and do something with this to be, to be woke? Yeah, for me, woke is multidimensional, but it starts with being awakened to the gospel and transformed by it. But, you know, of course, being, being woke is spiritual, it's personal, it's relational, it's political. Uh, and it's eschatological. And so, you know, and we talked about that last night. But when you talk about the word woke, I, I love the word. I love contextualization. I love words that mean more to non-believers than it does believers. Mm. Because that's what contextualization yeah. is for. Right. It's not for believers, right. per se. Um, believe, when, when, the, when, the, when the Egyptian Christians became Christians, and you look at old, I went to the Bible Museum, and you look at the old manuscripts of their uh, Ge'ez and Nam manuscripts, uh, in um, the ancient uh, Coptic tongue, you begin to see their artwork, and they take uh, they take a lowercase what we would call a lowercase t. I mean, uh, uh, no, uh, uh, a capital T cross. And what they did was they didn't do the the kind of upside down raindrop on it mm-hmm. to make the unk, but they did a circle on it hmm. that was letting you know that this is not quite an unk. But we're trying to say something. We're trying to connect with the unk that meant life in Coptic hieroglyphics to let you know that if you want true life, it's in the cross. Mm-hmm. So they use that as contextualization. You saw you saw um, Tertullian le- looking in culture, and he's coming up with he's he's working on Trinitarianism. He doesn't know what to call it. He just knows that God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are they simultaneously exist, but they're unique individual person. He said, "How do we say this?" He looked into the mystery cults and the mysticism, or then they found the word Trinitas. He said, you know what? That's it. And he took that word and it translated to Christians. Somebody said, well, woke doesn't translate to Christians. Well, well, uh, I, I say it does. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that it start conversations were woke with non-Christian, they said it's impossible because for them, woke means to be aware of the need for systemic 
change right. in justice issues, particularly is racial injustice. And so that's what it means. It, it, it means to be awakened. And so, um, and so when they when I when I say when they see the word when they see woke church, you know what they say to me? That's impossible. Right. I was like, what do you mean? They said it's impossible for the church to be woke because the church is an oppressor. Right. And so for them, when I began going down the fact that the conscious community or woke was first Christian. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, do you know what Pan-Africanism actually comes from? And they were like, no. I'll be like, have you heard of Edward Blyden? Have you heard of Alexander Crummel? No. Well, those were guys in the 1800s that were trying to unite the global diaspora uh, to be able to bring justice to the global diaspora of Africans globally from the Americas to the Caribbean to Africa and beyond. It's like, really? And I said, guess what? They're Christian pastors. I said, y'all hijacked mm. our narrative. Right. And you're trying to act like you made up something right. new. We started this. Right. You know, so. We want our words back. <laughs> yeah. Woke shit, woke's our word. It's our word, Justice man. is our word. Righteousness <laughs> is our word. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mace, it's been such a pleasure to have you with us. Yeah. God bless you for Woke Church and what you guys are doing at Epiphany Fellowship up in Philadelphia. Any final words you want to say to our listeners? Man, just thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. I'm glad to hear all the things that y'all are doing and different ways that there's uh, biblical intersectionality in a way that's healthy. Um, with different ethnicities. I'm, I'm impressed by what I see, man, and looking forward to see God do more. God bless you, my man. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening today. It has been a pleasure. Greenhouse Movement Podcast. Share this if you would like. Go check out Dr. Mason, and we will talk to you next time. Be woke.